Coming then to Genesis 2 and verses 1 to 3, as we continue our studies in Genesis 2 and 3 on foundations for living. And we come to think of this question at the outset of our study today, how do we grow as a Christian? And it's maybe something we can chat about at the coffee, the tea that will be served here at the front of the church after our service this morning. How do we grow as a Christian? What are the practical ways that we develop in the Christian life? How do we get stronger as a Christian? And there are many answers to that question, daily devotions, one-to-one Bible studies, weekend conferences. But Terry Johnson, in his his wonderfully useful book, uh, Family Worship, uh, if you don't have that, it's a a wonderful resource uh, for parents as, as we seek to have family worship in the house. Family Worship book by Terry Johnston, published by Christian Focus publications. He says a simple answer, a manageable answer. He maintains that one of the key ways to grow as a Christian, the key way is by keeping the Sabbath day. That may be a challenge for us, perhaps one that we have not considered, perhaps one that we have considered or lapsed over or discarded or struggled to maintain. But I think that Terry Johnson is right in this. And in our sermon today, we'll be seeing how we can keep the Sabbath day and notice the difference that's promised for us in our lives. I don't know where all of you are in relation to Sabbath keeping. I don't know you well enough to have the answer to that question yet. Many Christians are influenced by the view of Don Carson that we go to church in the morning and then we can do as we wish the rest of the day. Watch football, go to a restaurant, catch a flight. But I'm not going to critique the position of Don Carson today. That's perhaps a sermon for another time. But I want to introduce you to and remind you of our church confessional position. It's different to Don Carson's position. It involves practically no unnecessary travel on the Sabbath, no unnecessary work on the Sabbath, no schoolwork being done on the Sabbath. Positively, we attend morning worship, evening worship, where we are able. We spend the whole day in activities related to God. So Christian literature would be read. Christian videos would be watched. A walk in God's creation might be enjoyed. A visit to the sick or the elderly might be made. And as I thought about this, and I've thought about how we grow as a Christian, and perhaps as you're there this morning thinking about this, I've been amazed at how many of the spiritual disciplines that we've been studying on a Wednesday evening are utilized in this approach. Bible intake, prayer, serving, evangelism, stewardship of money and of time, all of the disciplines that we've studied so far are included in us observing the Sabbath day as our confessional standards set out. Thus, Terry Johnson argues, we don't have to multiply meetings for Christian growth. We don't have to be running here and there and yonder. We don't have to be out many evenings in the week at church meetings, but only to fully utilize, which is already there, 
in our local church. We're coming to the third of our seven foundations for living in Genesis 2 and 3. We've considered work and identity last week. We'll consider covenant tonight, marriage, sin, and grace. And in this sermon, we're forced to consider this element set into the Garden of Eden of the Sabbath. The specialness of this day is indicated in the way that it is reported in verses 1 to 3. In all the other days, the day is prefaced by the words, and God said, let there be light. This is not a day of work for God. There is no creative activity involved in this day. The day doesn't have, as we'll see, the usual refrain of, and there was evening, and there was morning, which ends the day. This is the only day of the seven that is blessed by God. Seven is emphasized three times in the phrases in verses one to three. Seven is a a number within the, the Hebrew mind and Jewish thinking of fullness and completeness. And this day is the culmination, the completion of this first week within our world. This was the first full day that Adam and Eve spent in this world. And they spend that day in worship and in rest. You see how the number seven stands out of the pairings of one and four and two and five and three and six that we find in chapter one. Seven is an odd number standing alone, emphasizing its specialness, its distinctiveness. And this is reflected in our translation, isn't it? We have days 1 to 6 in chapter 1. And then chapter 2 begins with the seventh day. Emphasizing its distinctiveness. It stands out and apart from the rest. It's a special day. And it should be kept special by us. What is special then about this day? And in our study this morning, we want to see four aspects of the specialness of this day. It's our rest day. It's our worship day. It's our blessed day. It's our symbolic day. Our rest day. The word Sabbath is derived from the Hebrew word for rest in verse number 2. We are meant to rest physically, bodily, mentally on the Sabbath day from our ordinary work if not required in a work of necessity and mercy. God finished his work of creation in six days. The term his work is repeated three times in chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. The phrase heaven and earth is comprehensive for all things, for angels, for humans, for matter. And added to the phrase heavens and earth you see is the phrase and the host of them. A phrase which applies both to the earth and to the heavens. This is a a comprehensive summary of all the work that God did and all his work he did in days one to six. He rested Verse 2 says, and then verse 3, from his work. His work was completed. 
It wasn't that he was fatigued and had to sit down or had to rest due to tiredness, but rather he had finished his work and he rested from that. The word finished is emphasized in verse number two. He desisted, he stopped, he ended, he ceased from his work. A similar expression is used at the end of the book of Exodus when Moses completes the tabernacle, that vast project, he finished it. The word is used in Joshua 19 of the people entering the promised land, that they entered and they conquered the promised land. Their entrance was completed. It was finished. God had a lot of work to do in that first week, but he finished it in six days. Perhaps for us, uh, the Hebrew is a a little ambiguous in in verse number two. And on the seventh day, God finished his work. And perhaps that seems to indicate that he did work on the seventh day. But we are to understand in this place, the phrase on as uh, as meaning by and by the seventh day, God finished his work. And so... This day is to be our rest day. We set aside our work. God continued to work, of course, in the works of providence and preservation, a work which was necessary, a work which was merciful, and and we also are to do those works of necessity and mercy on this day. But all other types of work, we are to rest from physically, and mentally. Dr. Blair Granda said that if we're not looking forward to the Sabbath day as a day of rest, then we're not working hard enough the other six days. And it is to be for us a day of rest. And that rest, that thought of rest, that anticipation of rest, that looking forward to the day of rest will dominate our whole week. We will think about it. We will order our life and our ways and our work so that we will be able to rest on the Sabbath day. We'll stay up late on a Saturday to finish our work. We'll shop at a time throughout the week. We'll fill up our cars with fuel so that we can rest on the Sabbath day. We do this with our holidays, don't we? We're going off on two weeks of holidays and you will work hard. You will work late to finish up your work so that you don't carry your work into your holidays. And what we do annually, we're also to do weekly so that when Sunday comes round, we rest physically and mentally from our work. We're to embrace this. We're to thank God for this. We're to enjoy this. This is our rest day. But secondly, this is our worship day. The phrase in verse number three indicates this. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. When God makes something holy, or we use the phrase sanctifies something, it means he sets it apart from a common use to a a sacred or a holy use. 
In the Old Testament, places like Jerusalem, garments like the priest's garments, altars were set apart from common use to use for God, to the worship, the honor of God. So in making this day holy, it means that God sets this day aside from a common use to the worship of God so that we will engage in this day in honoring his name. This point is made in the Ten Commandments, isn't it? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's what God did. He made it holy and we are to keep that day holy, set apart for the worship and honor of God. And so it's not just that this day is to be a rest day, a day we put down our tools, a day we hang up our aprons, a day we leave down our pen. It's not just for the physical and mental rest that, 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 that we're to embrace in this day, but we're to engage in thoughts of God, in worship of God, in honor of God. This is a, something that, that antedated the, the Ten Commandments, wasn't it? Here is Genesis 2, before the fall, and one day has been set aside to be holy. The rules about the manna being collected in Exodus 16 required that one day, the, the Sabbath day, was going to be different from all the rest of the days. Long before the Ten Commandments were given, this idea of one day being set aside for rest and worship was found. Prince Harry was in court to hear this case that's been brought against some of the media publishers. He sat in the seats in the court. He queued in the queue for lunch at the canteen. But all the time, he was surrounded by his bodyguard. He was with the rest of the people and yet he was special. He was different. He was distinct. And so this day, Sunday, is in many ways like the other six days. But it's to be special, set aside for rest, for worship. How are we to make it holy then? How are we to keep it holy? We are asking. What are we to do then in this day? Our shorter catechism in our church, it sets this out. The Sabbath is to be sanctified by a holy resting all that day, even from such worldly employments and recreations as are lawful on other days and spending the whole time in the public and private exercises of God's worship. On the one hand, resting body and mind. On the other hand, engaging our souls in the worship of God. So how does that look? What does it mean for us? For me, it means to put away Ian Rankin and to read a Christian book on Sunday. One reason why we started the children's library and the adult library as well is that there's literature available there to read on Sunday. We'll go for a walk with our family, perhaps to the floodgates, to Achille Nether Woods, perhaps down some lane. 
Rather than watch a a football match, we'll record the football match and we might watch a a nature program worshipping God for his amazing world. Instead of schoolwork or academic work that I have to do in other days, we'll open the Bible and study a subject that grips us and interests us. Euthanasia, the role of women in the church. We rest our bodies, our minds, but we occupy our souls in the worship and honor of God. And perhaps this is not as challenging for families as it might appear. Basically, in our congregation, if we attend morning and evening worship, we have three hours to fill in the afternoon. Lunch is over by 2 p.m. Tea is at 5 p.m. So we have an hour, perhaps, of a walk. We have an hour, perhaps, of reading half an hour here and half an hour there. We have an hour of a Bible game, a jigsaw, perhaps a nap. All of us acknowledge that the Ten Commandments are still in place. We don't break away that one commandment, I would imagine, uh, from the rest of the ten So so our question is, how do we keep this day holy, set apart to God, resting our bodies and our minds, but engaging our hearts in worship? Our worship day, our rest day. Thirdly, our blessed day. And this is an incredible dimension to to the Sabbath day. God has blessed the day in verse 3. What does that mean? It means that God has endowed this day with special powers. That as we rest our minds and our bodies and as we engage our soul in the worship of God, we will be transformed. He has blessed the day. This word blessed is used three times in the creation account, isn't it? Chapter 1 verse 22, it talks about the animals being blessed. Chapter 1 verse 28, it talks about human beings being blessed. What does that mean? It means that God gave them a role and the ability to fulfill that role. And so when God blesses the Sabbath day, the seventh day, God gives it a role in our lives and the ability to accomplish that role in our lives. What do we need on Sunday? We need refreshment. We need our brain reset. Keeping the Sabbath day will accomplish that. We need to grow as a Christian. Worshipping God on the Sabbath day will accomplish that. God blessed the Sabbath day. And so for us not to observe the Sunday will mean that we're missing out on this blessing in our life mentally, physically, spiritually. I didn't know this was an Irish proverb, but I'm sure you know the proverb. A Sabbath well spent brings a week of content and strength for the toil of tomorrow. But a Sabbath profaned, whate'er may be gained, is a certain forerunner of sorrow. The Sabbath 
has been imbued by God with special powers to bless us. And this transforms our attitude to the Sabbath, doesn't it? Do we want to survive in our workplace? Keep the Sabbath. Do we want to grow as a Christian? Keep the Sabbath. It will bless us mentally, physically, spiritually. There's a blessing imbued into the Sabbath. And as we lay hold of the Sabbath day, it will transform us. Many of the mental and physical health problems in our society would be solved by keeping the Sabbath. One day off lets us physically and mentally reset. One writer says, if we push ourselves through too many hours, the body and the brain will start to push back at us. Dr. Matthew Sleuth has advocated a principle. He's written a book entitled, not 24-7, but 24-6, a prescription for a healthier, happier life. He's not a Christian, but he's advocating that you and I don't go at full throttle 24-7, but 24-6, and we have a day off to reset physically and mentally. Terry Johnson maintains that the blessing in the Sabbath is not just for our brain and for our body, but also for our souls. He argues that many of our spiritual problems would be solved by observing the Sabbath day, by coming to worship in our church, by engaging in worship at home. He appeals to the catechism question which asks, how do we receive the benefits purchased by Jesus? All those blessings which Jesus has won for us at the cross, how do we get them? The answer is by the word, the sacraments and prayer, which he points out is primarily in the church services. The blessings of Jesus come to us as we meet together in worship. It's designed for our spiritual growth. Above conferences, above one-to-one studies, above church retreats, the ordinary Sabbath day worship services are key to solving our spiritual problems and bringing about spiritual growth. Perhaps it's a, a new point for us to grow in Christ just as we worship here twice a Sabbath day. But I think this is a, a liberating thing that the search for how we grow as a Christian, the mystery of how we grow as a Christian is dispelled by this. Keep the Sabbath and you'll be blessed physically, mentally, spiritually. Be fully involved in your local church. Johnson writes, you won't have to spend another night out. You won't need to add more meetings to an already frantic schedule. 
The key is to be found in the regular, ordinary, weekly worship services of the church. It's not a glamorous key, he says, but it is the key, nonetheless. And he goes on to talk about the benefits to children worshipping with their parents. He writes, your children will sit with you Sunday after Sunday, watching you publicly humble yourself before God and submit to his word. Among their earliest and warmest memories will be those of holding their parents' hands during church, sitting close to their sides, following along in the psalter, placing money in the offering plate and bowing their heads in prayer. Do not underestimate the cumulative effect of this witness upon covenant children. It's a blessed day. The blessing is for our brain. The blessing is for our body. The blessing is for our soul. The blessing is for our families. Ferguson, as I've talked to you already, emphasizes that no two parents are to bring up their children on their own. They need the help of the church family. And lastly, it's our symbolic day. There's no closing refrain on the seventh day. There's no end to this day in Genesis 1 to 3. This indicates that God is showing to Adam and Eve the life that he could give them. Don't eat of the forbidden tree, and this is the life the eternal life, the endless life of rest and worship. This is heaven breaking into this world. This is what God is offering, a richer life, a higher life, a fuller life than what they had in the Garden of Eden. This endless Sabbath rest is a window into heaven. Every Sabbath reminds us of the rest and the worship of heaven. The mini eggs remind us of the large eggs. They taste the same. And so Sabbath day is a taste, is an insight, is an understanding of heaven. And you and I have been there at times as we've sat in church, moved and affected by God's presence, by God's love, by God's word. You did not want that moment to end because you felt you were as near to heaven as ever you had been. The Sabbath day is to give us that insight, that taste, that experience of heaven. Our rest day, our worship day, our blessed day, our symbolic day. Maybe you're not convinced about this position yet. This is an Old Testament thing, you say. Well, it is in the creation account, isn't it? New Testament church kept the first day of the week. There is that difference that the confession makes between Positive and, and moral laws. The, the moral law is one day in seven. The positive law is which day. The positive law can be changed. The moral law cannot be changed. Maybe you're not convinced. Maybe you've lapsed. Keeping God's day holy. 
Maybe you're struggling. What about if we all do a Daniel? Not Daniel Donnell, of course. Not Daniel Craig. Absolutely not. But Old Testament Daniel. He said to the steward, I'll do this as a test to see if it works. Just the veg. Then you come and examine me and see if my way works. What if we try this? Day of rest. Day of worship. Then look at yourself. See if you're growing. Getting stronger. Better able to enjoy your work. Be involved in your work. Your children developing with greater eagerness for Christ and his word. And maybe, just maybe, your neighbors will ask you what you're doing on a Sunday.